This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings, brothers and sisters. This is Jamar Tisby. I am the co-host of the Pass the Mic podcast, and we are excited about our guest today. We have Warner Joseph Miller. He is an actor and a strong believer. He is joined by Tyler Burns, who is conducting the interview today. Unfortunately, I had to miss this particular episode, but you'll hear from me now, and you'll hear from Tyler later. And you'll hear from Warner Joseph Miller, who talks about his career in acting. He's been in shows from American Gangster to Boardwalk Empire to the Luke Cage series on Netflix. And so he talks about his journey into acting. He is a thoughtful brother. He is extremely insightful about his faith. He studies apologetics. He mentors youth in his church. And so he's not just a face on a screen, but he is a passionate brother in in the faith. And so he talks about his faith journey as well as how he tries to live out the biblical command to be salt and light, particularly in this profession that is known for not necessarily being all that Christian at times. And so we hope you enjoy this interview with Warner Joseph Miller. Thanks for tuning in. Warner, what's up, man? Thank you for joining us here on Pastor Mike. What's happening, Tyler? How you doing, brother? Good to be here, man. Man, thank you for joining us, man. It's so exciting to have you here. And we've talked about you on the podcast before, kind of indirectly through just the Luke Cage review and everything. But as I was telling you beforehand, we looked you up on IMBD and man, you have an illustrious acting career. You've been in a lot of big films and TV shows that we all enjoy and we've seen. We just probably didn't even know it was you. So talk a little bit about your acting career, man, where it's at right now and, and kind of how you got to this point. Sure. Um, uh, well, the, the background, I, I, so the last big thing, or at least the, the thing that I think the most people, because I'm, I'm in like a, a smaller things uh, that maybe the masses don't see, but the biggest thing, I guess, as of late was Luke Cage. Um, I'm the guy that killed Pops. And, you kill um, pops, kill bro. Pops. bro, bro, bro. We got to talk blood. about that, man. You kill, you kill pops, bro. You, you how you gonna do that, man? You know, but spoiler, <laughs> but, but spoiler alert. You know, I, I got what was coming to me, so you know, all's well that ends well. Um, but yeah, man. Um, I actually started acting. Um, my, my first movie was uh, American Gangster with wow. uh, with Denzel Washington, and um, yeah, man, I, I played uh, one of his brothers that also got there just desserts at the end. Um, but yeah, man, been been acting for a, a minute. Uh, you know, mainly television and theater uh, in the New York, LA area. Um, but yeah, that's how I, my, my my like I said, it was my first thing was uh, Denzel playing Denzel's brother. And the the great thing about that is, you know, prior to that, and still, you know, Denzel, I, I call him my my Michael Jordan. You know, he's my he's my guy that I uh, not that I idolize him, but I very much respect his career uh his his uh, his choices of what he's in and uh it, it was always my dream to uh be in something where i'd be portraying his son right because you know he's not only is he old enough to be my father but you know there, there's a uh, there's an admiration and a respect mm-hmm. there that is almost kind of paternal right, right. um and uh so for my first 
toe in the water to be playing something where I get to be his brother was, you know, the next best thing. So, um, so yeah, man. And, and I mentioned to you before the, uh, I just wrapped, I've just wrapped a play with his wife, uh, Miss Pauletta Washington, wow. Pearson Washington, huh. who's also a, a brilliant actress. Um, and where I was, uh, we, we played a love interest. So, you know, I, I, I was, uh, and she's a, a beautiful, um, uh, very, very nice, nice, nice woman. Um, uh, and uh, who's also a believer. We actually attend the same church here in, in New York when they're in New York. Wow. Um, yeah, man. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, it definitely didn't, I didn't lose the fact that every night, sometimes twice a day, I was kissing into Washington's wife. Um, oh, wow, man. But, you know, but thankfully. Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was definitely on the up and up. There was no, you know, she, I was very respectful. She was very respectful. Of course. Yeah, but, um, of course. but yeah, man, you know, and all her children came because um, uh, uh, it just so happened that one, her oldest son, John David, was shooting a Spike Lee film um, actually called The Black Klansman, which I think uh, it's, it's, it's executive produced by... Um, the dude who did Get Out, I uh, can't remember his right, name right, right. now. Um, so yeah, she, yeah, Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, that's right. Um, and that's an interesting uh, uh, movie that's coming out. It's called The Black Klansman. That, that should be good. Um, but yeah, he was in town shooting that. So he came to watch it. He actually saw it five times. Um, and each time, you know, definitely wow. said, hey, man, you know, you're kissing my mother up there, right? You know, so, uh, <laughs> you know, and all the children. And, and the, you're going to get in trouble, yeah, man, bro. But, you know, but he respected trouble, it, you know, he, you know, because he's in the business as well. And, and, uh, you know, and so the elder Washington, Mr. Washington came the second to the last show or third to the last show. And I didn't know that he was there. So, you know, quick story. Uh, I come out my dressing room, you know, trying to, you know, I usually leave through the back way and I open my door and he's standing right there. Oh, so you got your own dressing room, huh? You know, in, in full like Alonzo <laughs> from training day mode kind of, you know what I'm saying? But um, but yeah, man, you know, I gave him some dap and I took a minute to kind of compose myself and and I, I totally like you know geeked and I geek, but I, I acted weird because you know I I didn't have a chance to you know kind of uh, uh, prepare myself to meet this man. But anyway, long story short, you know he was right. cool with it. You know, gave me dap and told me he enjoyed it. So so yeah, man. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the work that I do theater. Uh, in the New York and around the country and also, you know, television on, on both coasts and in Chicago as well. Wow. So man, how did you get into acting? Like what was the, was that always something that you wanted to to get into or was it something that kind of arose naturally or unexpectedly? Uh, how did that, how did you get to this point? Yeah, man, it was totally unexpected, man. Um, you know, you ask any of the people I went to school with, you know, like the fact that I'm a professional actor is uh, the last thing that anyone with would have thought that I would do because I was very shy and quiet um, coming up and I actually and I, and I had no intentions on being on anybody's stage or in, in acting or, or anything like that like I wanted to be a veterinarian for a long a large part of my life and then after that since my mother was in the music business um, I also kind of I guess inherited the desire to want to be in the music business, but on the, in, in the background, mm. but, um, my junior year in high school, you know, there was this girl I liked and, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have any game or I didn't know how to talk to girls. I still really don't know how to talk to girls. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, she was auditioning for a play and, you know, I thought in my mind, you know, my master plan would be to audition for the same play so I can get close to her 
Um, I don't know what I, I, I would have done, you know, if I would have gotten close to her, but, you know, my plan was to get close to her. And <laughs> right. um, so I auditioned for the play. She ended up not getting cast in it. I got cast in it. I was hot. I was very, you know, kind of, you know, salty at the notion of me being in this play. But, you know, I did it. And I ended up, you know, discovering that not only was this a fun thing, but I was also kind of pretty good at it, you know, because like next day, because um, mm. the, the student body had seen it. And the, you know, the teachers and everyone seen it. I remember the next day going into school and I'm sure I'm like romanticizing it and heightening it a little bit, but it felt like walking into school and, and you know how like in the eighties movies, they have like the slow, the slow clap, you know, right, when some, right. when a hero comes in, that's what it felt like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hearing all, you know, these people kind of like cheering for me and, and saying that I did like a great job again. Like I was a nobody at MMI high school uh, up until that point. And, um, so, you know, that gave me a confidence, but I still never really took it serious. You know, I never was in anything else. And then I went to college and I actually my degree is in music business because that was my focus. Mm. And my uh, sophomore year in college, they were um, advertising for uh, casting for this play in my school. And I just thought, what the heck, you know, I'll do it. And I ended up getting the lead part. And wow. uh, so after I did the play, the the theater professor at the school was like, listen, man, I want you to, you know, please, I have to have you in my program, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, nah, man, you know, you know, I couldn't kind of conceptualize uh, uh, forsaking my solid business degree for an acting degree. Mm-hmm. And 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 not for nothing. My mother really wasn't trying to hear that either. You know what I'm saying? Um, of course. So. Of course. Uh, so what he allowed me to do is he allowed me to take all the classes or close to all of the classes that a theater major would take without necessarily changing my major. So I did that. And by the time I graduated mm-hmm. college, I, re- I, I realized that I wanted to be an actor. And, um, and that's what I pursued. Wow. Now, back up here, where did you grow up? I grew up in, well, I, I was born in Brooklyn, uh, stayed here for the first five years of my life, six years. Then my family moved to New Jersey. Um, to the East Orange, Newark, Irvington area. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I went to college in Long Island. And then I came back to Brooklyn after, after I graduated with, you know, brief stops in L.A. and and whatnot, but, but primarily in uh, New York, New Jersey area. Now, so was your interaction with the church growing up, was it like a vibrant interaction? Was it something you were always in? Like, tell us a little bit about that faith journey for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I grew up in one of those families where, um, and my I, I know my mother hates when I put it like this, but like everybody went to church, but nobody went to church. Meaning that, like you know, like they went to church, and, and with the exception of like my grandmother, like my grandmother was very much the the pillar of um, a large a large part having to do with why I am the the not only the person that I am, but certainly the believer that I am. But you know, but for the large Part, you know, we had there was a cultural Christianity in my family, um, and it, that, that wasn't everybody, but certainly the the majority of the people that were around me. And what that did to a kid like me is I as I didn't grow up with a understanding or reverence of God or Jesus. I grew up with a reverence of my grandmother and her faith, but it was never something that I, I internalized or made personal to myself, and. Also, along with that, I kind of um, relegated it to be something, you know, just that people do. You know, it's a cultural thing, just like, you know, you know, black people know how to dance. Black people go to church, you know, black people, you know, it it, it wasn't something that was um, that I regarded as something. It wasn't something that I regarded as true. 
So when I went to college, I got into, you know, some a sticky situation. Um, and I, I did a prayer that, you know, many, I guess, uh, I'm sure many people, I pray, you know, God, if you get me out of this thing, I promise that I'll find out who you are or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, by his grace and mercy on me, you know, I did, I didn't have to heed the consequences of my, you know, very, um, kind of loose lifestyle at that point. Um, and, and, but, but I, I was, I was, I stuck to my word, you know, I, I, searched of who God was. However, the caveat was, and I would have never admitted this at the time, but I'd already kind of decided that Christianity probably wasn't true because in my mind, I had already, you know, been exposed to what Christianity was. And I know it's kind of, you know, this cultural thing that's not really, you know, even the people that practice it don't really understand it. So in my mind, I had already kind of regulated it as as it being something that's not true. So um, the beauty of my college was that, you know, because it was a music and arts college, it was my first kind of interaction with a, a bunch of faiths, you know, different you know, philosophies. So like I met my first open atheists there, you know, um, you know, agnostic Jews, you know, Zoroastrianists and, and Buddhists and, and Nation of Islam. Well, I mean, Nation of Islam was, right. was with me growing up, but, you know, um, uh, you know, and, and Rastafarians and, and whatnot and all these and all these different, you know, um, world right. faiths and Hindu actually. And um, what I would do is uh, we had like this big um, cafeteria and, you know, and, and many times during the cafeteria time when people would, you know, congregate there, for some reason, the people of shared philosophies would, you know, group together. So what I would do is I would, you know, I would meander to different groups and just, you know, hear what they're talking about and yada, yada. And this happened over the span of like maybe a year and a half, two years. And over that time, um, I realized that one of the similarities, if not the similarity that all the groups had was that each of them had an opinion about who Jesus was. Right. And, 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 and nine times out of 10, their opinion was always that, you know, at the very least, Jesus was a good guy. You know, he was a, a positive figure as a sidebar. Um, there were also like a group of Christians right. that also was in that, in, in that school. You know, I, th- I think at that time I, would regard them as being like they were the most like they were the loudest. They seemed to be, you know, the most obnoxious, and 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 it kind of uh, affirmed what I believe. And again, not all of them, but you know, it affirmed what my view of Christianity was at that time. Um, and, and and I bring that up for a reason that I I, I hint to at, at the mm-hmm. end of this. But um, right. So 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 when I found out that you know each of these groups had you know uh, opinion about Jesus, I decided that okay, you know what, I'm going to you know, in my, you know, truth seeker way, you know, investigative journalist way, I'm going to study who Jesus is, you know, um, uh, a sans using the Bible, because, you know, in my mind, I already knew enough of the Bible, even though if you ask me, you know, quote scripture, you know, quote a verse from the Bible, maybe I could do John three sixteen, maybe. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, I didn't even know the Bible, but in my head, I knew the Bible. So what I did was I, you know, I, I looked up all these things that I could that were extra biblical. Um, right. and, you know, to see who Jesus was. And I mean, and it was a long story. It wasn't like an overnight thing, but eventually I, I found my way back to Bible. Again, not um, with the understanding that it was true or false, just taking it as text. Mm-hmm. And in understanding uh, who Jesus was, eventually came to the realization that, yo, Jesus really is who he said he was. You know, Jesus really is, God, he's, you know, a savior, he's Messiah, he's Emmanuel. 
Um, I still wasn't um, at a point where I would call myself a Christian, Hmm. but I believe that Jesus was the Messiah, if that makes any sense. So I believed who Jesus was, but I didn't want to kind of unite myself with the church or Christianity or what I perceive to be Christian. Wow, that's that's actually fascinating, I think, considering, you know, our current conversation about you know, these terms. And, and we recently had a conversation even around the term evangelical. And and so a lot of, you know, young black Christians come into this this state of appreciating the teachings of Jesus and even wanting to, to follow the way of Jesus and seeing good in the Bible, but not wanting to connect to a broader structure. So moving forward, like what changed for you? What, what altered that belief as far as clinging not just to the way of Jesus, but also identifying with Christianity on a sure. broad level as well. Well, you know what? I I, I wouldn't, I, I couldn't even say that it was something um, intellectual that changed in my head. I really do believe, because I really don't have any answer for you outside of like God, you know, over time, you know, God, um, one, obviously, you know, you know, submitting myself to who Jesus was and is and what he desired of my life. I I believe that God truly softened my heart and got me to see not other people because, you know, in in a way I was very, even though I wouldn't call myself that, I was very judgmental to other Christians or professing Christians. Like, see, you guys do this, you guys do that, you guys do this. And it wasn't until God put the mirror on my own self and be like, listen, no, this is who you are. This is who you are. And, and, And it got me to see that I'm no better than those Christians who rightly or wrongly um, did, you know, uh, horrible things or acted in harm. You know, I'm, I'm no more faultless than they are. You know, I, I died for those people too. I remember my mother said um, years ago, um, and my mother's a believer as well. And, and she, um, I think at the time, Jesse Jackson had, uh, something had come out about him, about like he had maybe like uh, right. some improprieties with someone. And I remember it was on the television. I remember saying my mother, see, man, stuff like this is why like Christians, you know, people don't go to crisis. Something, I said something to that effect. And she was like, no, 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 Warner. It's stuff like that that shows you that even Jesse Jackson needs a savior. Hmm. Boy, wow. And that, and, and that, and, and I remember that that, that, that that was years ago. And it stuck in my mind that, no, see, our faults don't prove that Jesus isn't real. It actually affirms the need for a savior that even the, the biggest, the brightest, the the best of us fall and are imperfect and are, and are depraved in our nature. And we all need Christ. And, and it was the combination of, of that realization that really got me to not only accept my brothers, but actually love my brothers and sisters that, 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 either don't look like me, don't uh, ascribe to the same things that I do, um, or, or, or even into some of which maybe have something against me. Um, but but it, it, it really kind of got the finger not pointing at them, but, but pointing at myself. Wow. Man, that's a powerful just realization and a powerful journey. And even it's especially even more powerful now considering what you do within the church. Can you talk a little bit about your role within the church. And I really like your role within the church because it's similar to mine. So talk about that role within the church that you have now, especially as it relates to mentoring and discipling the next generation. Right, right, right. So, um, so in the, in the church that I attend, I actually have the uh, privilege of being, uh, uh, I'm a, I'm a youth minister there. Um, and you know, what that means is essentially, you know, I, I get to have relationship and, and pour in and mentor, uh, teens and twenty-year-olds um, and, and some preteens who 
you know, go to church, you know, you know, many of them, you know, they, they you know, they're saved via their, or not saved, but they go to church because, you know, mommy, daddy, you know, bring them there. Um, and some of them are, are certainly saved, but others um, are not. And, and, and we get to, you know, come alongside them and do life with them and give um, uh, a practical applications to this theory of Christianity. Um, um, because for many of them, it has, it, it, with myself for a long period of time, Christianity was theory. You know, it's something that could be, you know, uh, practiced um, safely within the four walls of, of a church, but outside of church, you know, um, you know, outside of just being a nice person, it really had no application, like real world, you know, that, like I, I, how does Jesus dying for my sins, you know, what does that look like practically in my life? You know, and how I treat people, how I respond to people, how I think, you know, how I, you know, you know, pour through the news feeds, right. you know, what I look to or, or, or who I look to, you know, those types of things. And, and now, um, uh, so I just uh, back up for a second. I, um, I, I took a year off actually right before American Gangster and right after the show. I was on a show called uh, Boardwalk Empire. My, my, the show got canceled. And so I had a year off to... Uh, basically do something. And, and I was accepted into this program at Oxford um, uh, University in, in Oxford, England, uh, dealing with apologetics. And so, so for a year, I got to uh, study apologetics. So, so now um, as a youth minister, and even as an actor, but specifically as a youth minister, um, a large part of what I do as a mentor and as a teacher is uh, teach uh, adults, but specifically teens and 20-year-olds, and how to think through their faith, not to over intellectualize it. That that's you know because some people think that that's what apologetics is, but to you know um, right. uh, give teens the tools to be able to say you know this is my faith and this is why Jesus and not Muhammad. This is why Jesus and not Buddha. This is why Jesus and not you know percentage or you know Hebrew Israelites. You know this is why Jesus. So so that's kind of the um, uh, in and around the things that I do uh, within the body, w- within my specific my specific fellowship, but I also, you know, I, I do talks on you know apologetics and um, uh, you know and other things like that, you know, um, around the country. Now, would you say that your is your you know the youth that you interact with are they predominantly youth of color? Are they predominantly black, or is it kind absolutely. of absolutely absolutely? What have you yeah. seen? How? What do you think about the identity issues that they're facing? What do you think about the dignity issues that they're facing in light of the the broader conversations within our country? What have how have you interacted because what I've seen personally from from my perspective is that young people are very clued in, especially black young people are clued into what's going on Absolutely. Um, within parts of the country. And they know for a fact some of the things that they can see are wrong. Now, that hasn't necessarily translated itself into them becoming activists per se, but they are asking questions about what the church thinks around these issues Mm -hmm. and how Jesus would respond to issues like the the social and cultural issues of their their dignity, their identity, even down to to basic issues of of police brutality or mass incarceration. So it it hasn't necessarily translated itself into this overwhelming maturity, but it has at least led to some sort of questioning and concern about how the church is going to respond. Have you seen something similar in your context? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So like, so the pastor of my church, he, um, he used to be in the nation of Islam and, and he tells a story of, 
you know, when he was, you know, because he's a child of the 60s, you know, and, you know, grew, you know, grew up in New York, you know, the, the son of immigrants or an immigrant. And um, and he said that when he joined the Nation of Islam, um, he found acceptance. He found affirmation of his blackness. He found community, um, but he didn't find God. Right. And that's what he was looking for. He didn't know that he was looking for at the time, but that's what he was looking for. He found all those those uh, important things, uh, you know, like identity. He found, you know, like I said, affirmation and, and especially of his of his culture and of his blackness. But he didn't find God. I find now it's the same thing. You had, like, So instead of Nation of Islam so much, particularly in. Well, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not as exclusive. Maybe it's not exclusive to New York, but like um, uh, uh, Hebrew Israelites are like the nation of Islam of our time. So like a lot of black teens and even, you know, Latino, um, but specifically black um, and especially with Kendrick Lamar and, you know, him like affirming. It's like in the 90s with Wu-Tang Clan and Five Percenters. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar gives uh, Hebrew Israelites, you know, a sex appeal. You know, it gives, you know, that's a, you know, yeah, you know, he, he's speaking to it. And so I, so I find a lot of black teens that actually go to church every Sunday, they are affirming a lot of the doctrines or what they believe to be the doctrines of, of Hebrew Israelites. And it's because, to your question, it's because many of the, the leaders or speakers within the Christian context, they either don't know, they, you know, they've either never heard of a Tyler Burns or Jamar or, or you know, Eric Mason or, you know, those cats. And they're asking their leaders, you know, how do we respond to you know, like what what answers do you have for, you know, Trump, you know, affirming this or, you know, th- this right. white person calling, you know, uh, our former president a nigga or or, 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 or or any of these things. And because the, you know, many of the answers are either, um, you know, not for nothing, very shallow or not or none at all. The people who are answering those questions for them are the Hebrew Israelites. Right. Are the nation of Islam. Without a doubt. Yeah. You know? Without a doubt. So, yeah, so, so I think that's, that's so important to, for you to, to bring out and not to cut you off, but I just, I wanted to say that's so important for you to bring out because one of the things that we struggle with here at The Witness is even the ways in which people don't understand how speaking to issues of justice or at least yes. responding to them from biblical perspective is actually an apologetic yes. for Christianity. Yes. Like it is actually a proof that Christianity addresses this, that it's found within the text of scripture, that it's not something culturally that we added in, but that issues of human dignity and justice and how we treat the marginalized um, and even those who are oppressed speaks to the character and the heart mm-hmm. of God. So I think that's hard for people to grasp if they haven't grown up kind of around that or if they haven't come to that understanding. But man, you're you're so right. Like they're asking these questions. And then if the church says nothing, that silence is going to be filled by somebody. Exactly. Exactly. Because if we don't answer the question, someone will. Someone will. You know, and 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 that's the and that's the to your point. It is an apologetic in and of itself. You know, to to again, you know, all right. I get that Jesus loves me. I get that you know he's a savior. I get all that. But how does that translate to you know police brutality? How does that translate right. into social justice and 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 the and the the unfortunate uh, hypocrisy that I see is that so. And this is obviously not with every. Um, you know, you know, a white brother who's a, you know, who's a, who's a Christian or a leader, but you know, many of the, many times, at least I see, 
um, you know, issues like abortion or, you know, right. homosexuality, you know, uh, issues that, you know, have been politicized, but are, are, are very much issues that have, you know, biblical, um, you know, uh, 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 responses or you know, ways in kind of, you know, uh, acknowledging and dealing with it. You know, those things are affirmed and justified as issues that, you know, uh, evangelicalism should should get behind. But issues such as, you know, uh, you know, social justice is specifically having to do with, you know, the killing of black people or the, the marginalization of black people. Those are issues that, you know, stop politicizing. You know, those are, you know, those are issues, right. you know, and even and even the 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 mistreatment of people who would who would sure. disagree with the church on issues like abortion and mm-hmm. LGBTQ concerns. I think even even the humanization Absolutely. and dignity of those people is something that isn't gotten behind. And I think, you know, if the church is going to take whatever stances the church takes on social issues based upon biblical interpretation you know, I believe that we should make sure that we're over communicating the dignity of all people and we're over communicating, you know, the worth of all people. And we're, we're constantly pushing back, shaming people, you know, those types of things. I think again, even in those Mm -hmm. disagreements are missed and it's, it's actually ignored and avoided for, as you're saying, just the issue, get behind the issue, get behind the issue. We're like, well, I mean, there's more than just a political consideration. There's a human consideration as well. Exactly. Exactly. And, and thank you for putting it that way. Um, Cause I was much uh, more uh, eloquent than what I just said, but exactly that, you know, you know, getting behind. Oh, no, nah, man. No, I just, I just wanted to say that. Bro. I think that's important, you know, for people who are listening. No, nah, no, nah, you know, it was real. It was real. It was real. Uh, you know, th- there's that that uh, that scripture. Um, I think a couple weeks back or a month back, I uh, I was uh, talking to a brother and um, a teenager, and I, you know, I, I made a mention of you know the scripture where it talks about loving your neighbor. Um, your neighbor oftentimes doesn't look like you, uh, yeah. doesn't pray like you, doesn't love the same person that you would love, doesn't uh, you know, it, it doesn't speak the same language. You know, often that's your neighbor. You know, and and the and the Bible speaks clearly. Jesus speaks clearly as you know, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right, you know, right. um, so yeah, man. Like, how have you found you know that Hollywood treats your faith? What's the Hollywood perception? Because I mean, you're talking about. I, I hear this from a lot of people, and we need to talk about even your intersection with 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 Hollywood. I feel like there's eight questions here, so I'm gonna try to boil it down to just one question, but. So whenever I hear people say, oh, they're an actor, I, I'm an actor, I'm an actress, what what have you, you know, from a Christian perspective, I'm thinking they're a certain type of actor or actress. So I'm thinking, right. okay, there's, the, there's and you know, that, that could be to my fault as well, because I don't want to stereotype those types of people. But, but then I'm starting to think, oh, okay, well, you, you act in Christian movies. And so you act right. in, in these types of movies, you act in those types of movies. Okay, now that's not you. You're acting in Boardwalk yeah. Empire and American Gangster and Luke yeah. Cage and Law and Order. And as I kind of sit back and watch that, I'm saying, man, have you ever considered, you know, have you ever gotten pushback from people for acting in those types of things and and even the roles that you act in? And then from a secondary perspective, how does Hollywood approach even the idea of you being a Christian, even the idea of you having faith perspective? Is it is it as advertised where people are being ostracized for their faith or is it maybe a little bit overstated um, from a Christian perspective? Right. Right. No, great questions. I, um, so early on and I, and I'm, and I'm grateful that I was saved before I was an actor. 
because um, because that 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 was very important for for a lot of things. It, it got me to identify mm-hmm. that my worth is not in the how much work that I do, but you know, obviously, you know, my, my worth is in Christ. And wow. and actually, Kirk Franklin said this uh, like years ago. He was speaking to a brother, another um, a gospel artist who was kind of you know falling out in a way, and he and he he said something that's been with me since that. He said, you know, my art is what I do. It's not who I am. Acting is, I, I, I love it. I, I love what I, that I get to tell stories that I, I get to, you know, get in the shoes of people who I would never know, you know, in, in, uh, in other circumstances. And as much as I love it, it is not my identity. It, 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 it is, it, it is, it is what I do. It is, it is a job. It gives me, um, it obviously allows me to, you know, pay for certain things, but it also allows me a certain, you know, access to people who, you know, like I, I love Billy Graham. I love, you know, John Piper. I love, you know, the I, I love, you know, like those guys, but, you know, unfortunately for whatever, and Robbie Zacharias, you know, but unfortunately, um, those people may not ever have direct access to, you know, this actor in Boardwalk Empire or this actor in this right, thing, right. you know, but I do. Um, so like, you know, I get to, and I, and I have a, a story about that, that maybe if we have time I'll share with you, but, um, but, but re- regarding your question, you know, I, I decided early or God laid it on me early that, you know, my criteria for what I, for how I choose uh, roles, you know, it had to be very simple for me because if it were complicated, I could, you know, circumvent it and, you know, and try to, you know, get around it. So for me, my very, simple criteria is that if I do a part and it does not allow me to be able to share and communicate my faith as a result of it, then I can't do it. Me- meaning that if, if I, if I do something mm-hmm. and it's, whether it's risque or controversial or something like that, and by doing it, it becomes a distraction to right. um, not enable me to communicate my faith to someone, then that's something that I can't do. Um, and, and that and that simple criteria is, has, you know, thankfully helped me um, a, a, along the way. Um, to your point, mm-hmm. I would I would I would love to do a, a Christian movie or, or you know a Christ centered. You know, one I've never been approached. Two, you know, I, you know I, I like I like telling good stories. I like telling stories that you know that hold a mirror up to society. You know, the whole like the stories that kind of preach to the choir. Um, not that they're not good because they, they are, but those aren't th- many times, not all the time, but many times the characters in those stories are not like three dimensional. They're like caricatures. They're like, you know, the good guy always wears the white hat. Right. The bad guy always wears the right. black hat. And then at the end, Jesus comes and saves everybody. <laughs> sure, and, sure. and that's the, you know, or they and, get saved and, you know, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? And, 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 it, and it leaves out the very real messiness of life. And the you know, and maybe not the happy ending, but the hopeful ending, you know. Um, and so those types of scripts I haven't necessarily been approached with. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I would love to do it. And um, and, and to, to the second part of your question, so that year that I took off after Boardwalk Empire, um, you know, I didn't tell a lot of people. Um, I didn't even tell my agents until like maybe a month or two before I was about to leave. And once it got out, you know, in, in the, the circles that I'm in, you know, professionally, everyone thought that not only I was leaving, you know, my career, but, you know, like I heard, you know, Warner, so are you going to be like, are, are you going to be a priest? Are you going to be a, a pastor? Are you going to be a preacher? And, you know, it, it, and even my agents kind of wow. didn't really understand it. No, they definitely didn't understand it. They couldn't understand that, you know, a person could be 
well, it, what they would call religious, but in, in my head, a person could love God and want to understand the deeper things of God while also still wanting to tell stories and be an actor in a secular context. Like that kind of dichotomy, um, it, it, it was, it, they just couldn't reconcile. And, and, you know, there are Christians that, you know, have a hard time reconciling it. Um, so while I've never gotten direct pushback, um, I've also, I've often been questioned about, you know, how can I, and, and many times it's by Christians, you know, how can I do this and this, and not in a, an antic antagonistic way, but like really trying to understand, like, how do you, you know, how are you able to maintain, you know, a, a certain level of integrity or, you know, um, d- devotion to God while also being an actor? And, um, so, and, and, and I love those questions because one, it keeps me accountable, you know, um, because this business, as with any business, is very easy to get seduced by fame, by power, by influence, by money. It's extremely easy, extremely easy. Um, mm-hmm. So I need those, you know, kind of uh, checks and balances in my life, you know, to, to, to keep me accountable. Um, but also I like answering those questions um, because, you know, I, I, I want I truly do want to empower people in whatever um, kind of vocation or occupation you're in that, you know, like God calls us to be, you know, like we are called out, meaning, you know, like I heard somebody say, you know, like when you go outside, you know, you put on a coat, um, you know, it, it, the coat insulates you, you know, so you're still outdoors, but you're insulated by this coat. So you can, you know, be able to, you know, manage the cold weather outside. It's, it's the same thing with, you know, being a believer in whatever industry you're in. you know, we're called to, to go out there and to be lights into in darkness, mm-hmm. you know, but we go out there with the insulation of, of, of God and his word and, and, and the covering of Jesus Christ. You know, we go out there and we, you know, engage the culture. You know, because again, if we're not engaging the culture, someone else will. And, so, and, and, and there are a lot of ideas in the, in the marketplace of ideas. And if, and if uh, uh, Jesus followers, um, a, a Bible-believing Christian is not out there in that marketplace of ideas, then, you know, like it's no surprise that, you know, the marketplace begins to grow increasingly depraved and, and darkened and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. Um, if, 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 if I have time, could I tell this quick story about Luke Cage? Yeah, man, go ahead. Yeah, I would love to hear that story. So, um, uh, you know, uh, Mahershala Ali, um, he's the brother that, you know, that won uh, yeah, Academy Moonlight. Award. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's funny. So, you know, he and I were, uh, we, we worked together for the majority of, yeah, he, myself, and the brother that plays Shades. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you, you know, when I, when we first started working, uh, Mahershala is a, this brother is a really solid brother, man. Like a good, mm. decent guy, man. And it's funny because, you know, when I first met him, I thought that he was a Christian. Um, because like we were all, you know, yeah, man, God bless you, brother. Yeah, man, God, yeah, God be with you, man. Yo, man, God is good, man. And, and, and you know, just the way they carried himself, I'm like, yo, man, this, this brother stand up. Um, eventually, you know, you know, he, he came out. I mean, it wasn't like that profound, but like he's, you know, he told me that, he, you know, he's a Muslim. His mother uh, was, actually, was actually a Baptist minister and he grew up Christian or, you know, in a Christian household, but he came to a point where, you know, he was questioning a lot of things and didn't have a lot of answers regarding his faith. And then he converted to Islam, um, specifically a branch of Islam called Ahmadi Muslims. Uh, it just so happened that one, after I graduated from Oxford, um, one of the people that I went to, uh, that I entered Oxford in is a brother. He actually just passed by the name of Nabil Qureshi. Um, Nabil Qureshi, yeah, Nabil right, Qureshi, yeah, uh, he grew up in Mahdi Muslim, the same as Mahershala. 
And his book, which is a brilliant book, um, mm. uh, uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, um, is a, such a brilliant book uh, about, you know, this his uh, kind of transition from being a Muslim to a Christian, what that entailed. So I read it while I was in school and it, it just, it, it equipped me so much. And just, you know, us kind of conver- um, having conversations about it. So anyway, uh, Mahershala, you know, like, we, you know, we would just have conversations, not dealing with, you know, spirituality, anything like that, but just like, for some reason, we, we got really close really quick. So uh, toward the end of my time on set, this was like maybe after a month and a half or so, um, I remember we were in his dressing room and uh, I, don't, I don't know why, because we usually didn't have this amount of time, but we had a lot of time. And uh, he started, uh, you know, he asked me why I believed what I believed. It wasn't that clear, but it, it was around about in that way. So I began to tell, me, uh, tell him and he began to tell me, you know, why he didn't believe in Christianity. And, and essentially the reasons were, you know, what many Muslims, it was about the Trinity, about the deity of Christ and Pauline Christianity. Um, again, right. it, the, it just so happened that I uh, spent a whole year, you know, really booking up on not just Islam, but, you know, Ahmadi Muslims in particular. And and his sect of Islam is, you know, um, they're considered heretics by other sects of Islam because his sect of Islam is very, if I could use this analogy, is very analogous. Like his conversion story to Islam is almost like what you would hear from a Christian. Like he was like, oh, you know, I felt this the spirit of God come on me. Right, and I started right. crying and I lifted my hands and, you know, it was very, you know, if, if he replaced Allah with Jesus, you would think he was a Christian. But anyway, um, we had this like hour, 45 minute conversation, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with, you know, the, 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 his misunderstandings about, you know, Christianity, about the deity of Christ and about grace and things like that. And I, you know, and I was able to, you know, communicate the gospel to this brother. Now, you know, at the end of the conversation, he, I was, he didn't fall to his knees and proclaim Christ. And it wasn't, it wasn't contentious. It was two brothers chopping it up, you know, disagreeing, but having, you know, uh, you know, respect for each other. And we were able to talk and that, uh, kind of, uh, dialogue is, is a snapshot of what my, time has been as an actor i mean and not even exclusive to you know, the entertainment business but certainly inclusive of it it's been like that i'm often if not every single you know job i'm on eventually the topic of spirituality is going to come up and i often have opportunities to not only communicate the gospel but also um because we're around each other for like a month or three months at a time you know, after the gospel has been communicated and after we've had that talk, now I have the opportunity of living, you know, what I'm believing out mm-hmm. in front of these brothers or sisters. Wow. So on, so on one powerful. hand, the, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, man, that's powerful. Wow. Yeah, man. So on one hand, uh, the, the apologetics and the, you know, the being um, kind of, you know, being in, in those situations give me opportunity to, you know, uh, introduce people to that don't know Jesus to Jesus and the why of Jesus to Jesus, because the why is just as important as the who and the what, you know, um, like I could tell you, you know, Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. I mean, even though that's not necessarily what I say, but, you know, I can tell you that, you know, Jesus is the Messiah, but you know, if there's, if, if I don't have any understanding, okay, why, you know, why does the gospel make sense? You know, why the gospel narrative and not the Islamic narrative or the, you know, the, the, you know, why this, if, if I have no, you know, like first Peter three fifteen you know, if, if, if I don't have a reason for the faith that is in me, then, you know, I, I've heard Eric Mason say, yeah, you know, telling somebody that Jesus loves you, you know, that may work for you, 
But that's not a, that ain't going to work for anybody. If you know, for that, for that brother on the corner that wants to know, all right, okay, but why Jesus? And, and that's very, very true. So and that not only helps right. the person who doesn't know Jesus, but it also, you know, um, the sister that plays Misty Knight, you know, she's a believer. Um, and, 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 and it also, right. yeah, it's Simone, Simone, um, uh, miss it. Um, shout out to Simone. Um, uh, but it also kind of, in a way, uh, I don't want to say outs other believers, but it, it can be an encouragement to see another Christian working in a context that's not necessarily Christian um, and seeing that Christian not be weird or strange or belligerent. You know, you see them loving God, but also being very, very good at what they do. That can be very encouraging to another believer because it 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 it, it depicts that, yo, I can live out my faith, not be weird, not be crazy, but still love God and still be have a high um, uh, uh, still approach my job with an excellence, you right, know, and I think right. that preaches just as much as preaching to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Man, that's so helpful. And that's a, that's a crazy story to hear just kind of those intersections of how you can have those conversations, man. I don't want you to leave without telling us about your book, man, Diary of a Mad Christian. Hey, what's the, what's the purpose behind the book? What, what were you uh, seeking to communicate and convey? Just kind of give that that rundown for us before, before we let you go. Right, right, right. Um, so, so, um, uh, so 100, I, I actually wrote that book years ago. That, that book came out years ago and it was off the, the kind of encouragement by brothers and sisters in my life that were telling me like, you know, morning, you got all these kind of, you know, stories or, you know, cause I used to write a lot of um, poetry and spoken word. I, I used to write a lot until I met, you know, genetics and Ezekiel and, and the, and the brothers from, you know, I, I used to write now, I just sit and listen, but, um, but I used to write a lot. And, and so they, you know, encouraged me to, you know, why don't you, you know, write a book? So what diary of a mad Christian is, is a collection of, um, poems and, you know, kind of spoken word stories that I put together chronologically that detail my coming into faith. Um, what I experienced, you know, as a new Christian, um, both the mistakes, the glories, the highs, the lows, and how I've, um, how, you know, Jesus has, um, kind of has shown himself strong, even in the midst of my highs and lows. And, and, and ultimately the objective of the book is to communicate the gospel in a way that is accessible. Um, um, that is again, not without the messiness, but, you know, kind of like David, the messiness is used to to shine even a bigger light on the person of Jesus Christ and his gospel. Mm. Um, that's essentially what the book is. Um, and, and, and if I can just uh, a, a, a plug connected to that, I've also been working with this uh, team called uh, Streetlights, the Streetlights Bible, um, which is an, which is an audio Bible yeah. um, primarily focused to, um, uh, uh, to, to teens or young adults or whomever that, you know, find it difficult to access the Bible um uh, both as a text um, and also just as a, you know, like, how does this apply to my life? So it's an audio Bible set with voices that sound not too dissimilar from mine. So, you know, like Jesus doesn't sound like Charlton Heston and God doesn't sound like he grew up in London, you know, like, you know, so you have very, you know, <laughs> right, very right. urban voices um, delivering the word. So I also work with that team to, um, uh, to, to put the Streetlights Bible out. And what we're also doing is we're creating devotional content in a similar vein as my book, Diary of a Mad Christian, to also not only give people the uh, scripture, um, uh, but also give them practical applications and devotional tools 
to be able to, you know, kind of make sense uh, of what they're reading as well. So that's another thing. Streetlights Bible as well. It's an app. It's free. Man, that's really dope. Yeah. Those guys do some great work, man. Yeah. Where can people follow you, keep up with you um, and, and find out more about whatever you're doing, whether it's from on the ministry side or the acting side? On Twitter and IG, his name is Warner, all one word. His name is Warner. Um, Twitter and IG and on Facebook, just uh, Warner Miller. Oh, and also uh, Warner Miller's Diary of a Mad Christian um, on uh, Facebook. Dope, man. Well, Warner, this has just been a great interview, man. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and hearing the depth of your faith and just letting you spill and share about your passions. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you for being a supporter of Pastor Mike. And we can't wait to see you again. Uh, on the screen, whether it's big screen, small screen, in person, whatever, man. We can't wait to continue cheering you on and supporting you from afar. Bless you, man. Love and more love to you and the, and the crew, man. I appreciate y'all very much. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.